a lot of people where I live, like growing up in North Minneapolis, like I'm one of people's only friends to go to college. I'm a lot of people's only friend to mm. go beyond college to go to master's, like to get a master's degree. Like right. I'm a lot of first for a lot of people. I'm one of the first people in my family to get a four year degree. And so it's kind of this idea that like, if you want to play big games, like you got to practice big, you got to be mm. great in yeah. everything that you mm-hmm. do. And even like the younger me, like when I didn't take things a lot seriously, like I was still very serious, you know. I, okay. I, Hello everyone, welcome back to the 7th Street Podcast. Today, Hamza and I spoke with Frederick Edwards Jr. He is a public speaker and he's currently pursuing a master's degree at NDSU. And he just had a lot to say about mental health, about the history and the stories that we, we tell ourselves and trying to be a voice for the voiceless. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you so much to Fred for coming out and we hope you guys enjoy the episode. All right, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the 7th Stream Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Hamza. Uh, with me, as always, is my good co-host. His name is... Clark, it's a pleasure to be here, Hamza. Thanks so much. You're really yeah. high energy today. It's yeah. really great to see you like that, bro. Happy to have you on my show. <laughs> my show. Absolutely. And then across from me is a good friend of mine. You know, we go way back. I mean, he's a voice for the voiceless. His name is... Frederick Edwards Jr. Yeah, Frederick so. is here, bro. He's here, bro. He much appreciated. Thanks for coming on, man. Very much, uh, very much appreciate it. It's, it's cool to, to see like someone trying to like make waves. Like you said, voice for the voiceless, huh? That's kind of your like motto, would you say? Uh, I would say, yeah, that's something that I kind of live by in yeah. a way. Yeah, it's just something that I think it's important because mm-hmm. voiceless people always expand out and they always evolve into mm-hmm. different people. And so right. it's like this idea that like anybody can be misheard in a lot of ways. And so it's always evolving because... Like everything that's right and wrong is always evolving, and so it's mm. kind of like this idea of, you know, not necessarily who can I protect. I think that that's a part of being toxic is this idea of trying to protect everybody, but in a way that's kind of like, if I can help you, if you want this help, like not unsolicited help. Mm-hmm. So, uh, mm-hmm. I like that message, dude. So walk us through, cause so you have a TED talk. Is that kind of like how you started? Was that kind of your first stepping stone? Stone. Or rather, I'd, I'd like you to kind of walk us through your path and how you got to where you are today. Um, I wouldn't say that my TED Talk was like a stepping stone. I really don't even like watch the video that much or anything okay. of that sort. But yeah. it was a big deal, so I won't make it like it wasn't a big deal. What What made you want to kind of get into something like public speaking? So my dad is a pastor. And so okay. like my whole life, I've been around... You know, people who, in a way, were public speaking. It might have been like religious wise, but it was like in a, 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 sh- a shape Some or form kind of me, like kind of looking up on stage, right? You know, okay, yeah. And yeah. seeing like I wouldn't do it this way, or I would do it that way. And so, I always was kind of one of those people who was like a, a spokesperson or would speak out in class. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. Right, 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 right. I remember that. I remember yeah, that. <laughs> I tried to get petitions signed. And like I was always kind of like an organizer in a way, yeah. or you know, one way, shape, or form. And so, um, it really took hold. Basically, when my mentors were telling me to like use what I have, mm-hmm. like for my gift and my okay. purpose, and so yeah. one of the biggest things I always wanted to do is create like a father figure program, and then mm. a program that coincides with that would be like a mentorship slash like prison reform program. Mm-hmm. So when people get out of prison, they actually have like things that they can do, and which will allow them to become yeah. like normal citizens in society, yeah, in which they are not treated like they are. Yeah, yeah. right, so, right, okay. And so that's where the voice for the voices really came in because. We started talking about that at Washburn and Black Box Theater, this idea of just, like, people you never even think about, you know? It's like that movie that came out, When They See Us, it's like people Mm -hmm. that you never even think about, Mm -hmm. like, in those scenarios or whatever, and they just kind of are just misheard or misinformed. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So how did you start to develop that sort of skill that you noticed within yourself? Because, like... And how did you notice that within yourself? Just like that you were doing it all the time, speaking to everyone, speaking out, getting petitions signed? Is that how you kind of realized that that might be something that you want to eventually follow? I think one day was bigger than other days was when we got our yearbook signed when we were like younger. Like, so okay. was like my mm-hmm. junior year, I think, of high school. Somebody signed my yearbook and they said, like, you always say the things that people want to say, but they are afraid to say. Ooh. And I remember kind okay. of like taking that with me, like it's something else like, you know, why am I this way? Like, why does it feel important to say that? And then kind of talking with other people who have these same kind of gifts or these same kind of things that they feel are important. Um, they have, like, things in their body in which they, like, feel, like, itch or, like, twitch if they don't say something, if mm. they're wrong, you know. And so yeah. um, 
I think that's where it really started. It then progressed, you know, with Black Box Theater and like learning yeah. how to do spoken word and yeah. kind of like breaking down this idea that like talking about your feelings was like soft. You know, this idea of being soft, this mm -hmm. idea of being like unmanly because you're, you know, bringing up emotions, which was like a very toxic behavior, like very toxic ideas to right. just kind of like hold inside of myself. And so once I let go of that, I think it was really the biggest thing was my freshman year of college, I got into a car accident. And so a drunk driver hit me going like 75 miles an hour, like basically Damn. we should have died. And so it was kind of one of those situations where I was like, I need to take my life more serious. And so once I started to develop this idea of taking my life more serious, I wanted to use my gifts, the gifts that I had, that I right. know that I had. Like, I feel like a lot of people have gifts that they don't even know that they have because mm. other people don't see them as mm -hmm. gifts. You know, they belittle them or whatever. And so I right, right. Yeah, I belittled a lot of the things that I was good at for a long time. And so just kind of doing that, kind of creating this culture at NDSU that like people of color, you know, black people, minorities of all around the world who aren't really minorities all around the world, you know, mm. they mm -hmm. have a voice, they have a purpose, you know, on campus. And so that became something that was super huge for me. And I started doing these leadership programs at NDSU. So I graduated from like six or seven leadership programs with a whole bunch of people who I never met before, who I never would have thought I would ever talk to before, who I would have never, you know, guessed their, their stories or the things that they had went through in life and just kind of having these preconceived notions of people you know you just assume that you know people you just assume that you you see what somebody has because of their appearance or what they say or you know what they show you but then you see another part of people and you kind of like wow like everybody is pretty much the same like in a lot of ways like no matter how different we are like we all have you know pains we all have trauma that we're trying to hide mm -hmm. from we all got things that we're trying to deal with we all got struggles we all got obstacles right. and so kind of going from there was kind of like how can I help other people and so for a a lot of people where I live, like growing up in North Minneapolis, like I'm one of people's only friends to go to college. I'm a lot of people's only friend to mm. go beyond college, to go to master's, like to get a master's degree. Like right. I'm a lot of, first for a lot of people, I'm one of the first people in my family to get a four-year degree. And so it's kind of this idea that like, if you want to play big games, like you got to practice big, you got to be mm. great in yeah. everything that you mm -hmm. do. And even like the younger me, like when I didn't take things a lot seriously, like I was still very serious, you know, I, okay. I I like put a lot into things like right. wrestling. Like that was something like I I could have put a lot more energy into, but the energy that I did put in was like like let's go. Like, oh right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, dude. I mean, even when I like I think I played football with you like freshman year when mm -hmm. I was freshman a freshman, and like you you always brought that energy, bro. So like it's no it's no mystery to me that you are where you are today. You Appreciate know, that. just that's the fact that you bring yeah. that that type Appreciate of energy. That. Um, yeah. But that's cool, man. I mean, it's important to realize those types of skill sets, I think, early. And I think that's like a big part of this show is trying to understand that people have those skill sets and they have the ability to develop those things. But you're very right. I think a lot of people belittle other people's, uh, I don't know. Talents. Kind Talents, of like, exactly. I don't know. The way I look at that kind of stuff is kind of like, okay, um, this is something someone's passionate about, but... I don't think that, I don't think it's cool myself or, oh, they're trying so hard, blah, 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 blah so I'm going to, like, give them shit for it. Yeah, right, People take right. that differently. People take yeah. that, like, okay, I really like podcasts, like Clark does. And people are like, oh, you do podcasts, but that's so stupid, blah, blah, blah. Right. That's going to, you're stopping someone from doing, what, you know, mm -hmm. what they love, what they can do, you know. And it's nice because I agree with the, with the message someone that was written in your in your yearbook. Like, you say what people want to say. Like, mm -hmm. your voice for the voice is, like, your people... People have opinions, but, you know, people are scared of the repercussions of, you know, coming out with what they have to say. That's why there's people like Fred here, you know, who are not, like, afraid of the repercussions, but are able to, like, look past that and be like, well, I'm making a difference to what I do, which is really respectable. I really respect you for that. For sure, yeah. dude. And, bro, it gets real in the yearbook at the end of the year sometimes. <laughs> I never got one. I would never get yearbooks. I, me neither, I but I just, money. bro, the truth comes out in the at the end of the year when people are signing yearbooks, bro. It gets it gets real. You in get, there. like, some heartfelt message, even though they're going to see you, like, in a week, or you get hags. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bro, the hags is the weakest shit, though. Man, I remember I had to like glue extra pages into my yearbook. Like Whoa. I had to like my like the advertisement pages. You know how you're supposed to have like stuff from that yeah. year. Mm -hmm. I like had to tape in like white pieces of paper, like for more like for <laughs> more people. Yeah. I was just like a people's person. Though. That's like, true. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. I remember in high school, 
If y'all listeners haven't noticed, we all went to high school together. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what year did you graduate again? I graduated 2014. 2014, so wow. I graduated two years before me. And we wrestled together, that's how, you know, that's kind of how I met. And I remember, like, the, on the team, like, you were new to the team, and everyone, you were kind of just, like, that center. Like, let's say, like, we walk into a room, Fred Fred was there, that's where everyone, that's where we were all at, you know, Fred was there, that's where everyone would be. Even, like, outside of the, outside of practice, just, like, the yeah, charisma, was, yeah, the charisma. Yeah, I was yeah. a cool dude. Yeah, like, a cool cat. I enjoy people, though. I think that, like, that was one thing that was special about mm-hmm. me, so I always seen good in people. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I might not have been the best person, like I had like some very bad things that I had like done in life, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I, you know, yeah, you live and you learn. Um, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, for yeah, sure, um, for sure. Yeah, I think uh, even now it's kind of transcend transitioning to talking with kids and talking to the youth and kind of seeing like people have never talked to them like they're human before. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. nobody's a big thing. Yeah, especially like with kids, like. Parents need to learn how to say sorry and like Absolutely. admit that they're wrong to their kid, because that's something that a lot of parents you know don't even do. So I think it's good that people reach out to kids and like talk to them as a person, because like studies have shown even with like toddlers, and, like and small infants, if you speak to them with like, in a normal way, it actually promotes learning yeah. and makes them like like promotes language skills, like comprehension and like all that kind of stuff. Like you shouldn't talk to them like they're babies. Yeah, yeah. If yeah, you have like yeah. an active conversation, yeah. it actually boosts their learning, which Absolutely. is you know. Where have you noticed that people? Well, because I, I understand where you're coming from when people say they don't treat people as human beings. Yeah. What's an example of that? What do you, what do you, mm. I'd like you to that's expand on that because that's, that's an interesting topic. Not treating There's people a like human beings. I mean, right. we can go, I mean, where do you want to go? Like we can go the immigration, immigration, go, for real. you know, all that kind of stuff. subtle. There's um, level of respect there and it's for a person. Absolutely. Then, right. Absolutely. Right. And it's not maintained. Like, we can go, like, wealth gaps. We can go, you know, gender gaps. Like, we can go, like, where, like we can go a lot of places when it comes to, like, just, like, that scenario. I mean, especially in, in Minnesota, Minneapolis, the achievement gap is out of control. Like, I, and I think the thing is, too, is that it's such, there's a lot of subtlety to it as well. Absolutely. And yeah. so you could, it, it seems like it's almost at every level there's something where, there's just a group of people who aren't treated as like equals in some people's eyes. And like, so that's where it, like, it's just so, it seems so difficult and obviously it's so challenging to try to tackle those things. Yeah. Where do you think that it, that starts? Where do you think that is the best place to try to combat that? I think being honest about the history, um, mm-hmm. I think okay. that's the biggest, you know, the, I want to, I want to say not the biggest wound, but I would say that's one of the deepest wounds that you have to, you know, you have to, address I, i'm not exactly sure who said it but somebody said you stab me in my back and you like pull it out halfway and then expect for me to like love you like mm. like that's backwards like you still have to pull it out all the way and still wait for it to heal yeah and so there is no idea of healing like people want this this country to move forward very fast like they want everything is good for them so it needs to be good for everybody else so it's this kind of idea of like shut up and like deal with what you deal with yeah and this is the idea of like nobody's pulling yourself up by their bootstraps in these certain situations or these certain communities but it's just not true and mm-hmm. it's just like the history has been evaporated or covered up or just kind of like mm-hmm. um tampered with so much in which people kind of like neglect what has already been there and so it's kind of this idea of we have to do our research too we have to right. read books we have to look into these papers into these different things because they're finding so much out like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and i think and i i think i've said this on the show before i think like the idea when people say like oh just coexist just like lo- love one another and live in harmony obviously that's a good thing to say but it's kind of in a way neglecting the hardships that people have faced in the past and like just to throw those things away what do you think about that I think it detracts, yeah. I think it detracts from the entire situation. It's one of those things where it's like you want to ignore what happened in order to continue going. Like, why did a certain group of people or, you know, whoever have to suffer with amnesia? Like, why do you have to, like, have, like, forced amnesia in order to continue moving forward? Mm -hmm. I think that there's, like, one thing is, like, a lack of empathy, but then there's also, like, this victimizing thing. Like, people want to be victims so much, and so it's kind of like you can't really tell who's actually 
suffering, who's not suffering, right. you know what I'm saying, who's struggling, who's right. not, because at the end of the day, there's always that struggle Olympics, you know, there's always mm. that, like, mm. I've went through much more than you, you've went through da-da-da-da, so. That's very, 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 very true. That's yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, I mean, like, I have, like, friends from well-off areas, and they're just like, nah, bro, like, I had it tough too, man. Like, my neighbor, they had, like, they had three boats, bro. Like, they had money, bro. And it's like, okay, yeah, you have, like, a three-story house, like, two, like, six cars, like, yeah. on, you know? But at the same time, one thing I, I, like I learned is, one thing I learned in psychology is nobody's stress is bigger than somebody else's stress simply because you've never went through that before. Mm-hmm. And so, I talked to a lot of people who were very well off, you know, and I would talk to them about my problems. We, we would, you know, talk and have all these different discussions, and there are certain things that people have went through I would never have to worry about. Like, mm-hmm. I would never have to worry about my parents buying my love. You know, I would never have to worry about my mm-hmm. parents, like, missing something of mine to then, like, trying to buy me something to, you know, get my love back. I would never have to worry about my parents driving me somewhere drunk. Like, I would never have to worry. You know, and, and it was just yeah. this idea of, like, even though somebody may be privileged in other ways, mm-hmm. like, they're not privileged in different, different ways, ways, you yeah, know? Yeah. So it's just kind of that like, aspect of, like, obviously. when you go home, do you get a home-cooked meal? Like, when you get home, like, do you, you know, do you have people to, to talk to, you know? Mm-hmm. And just kind of, like, even going to people's houses when you get older and realizing, like, dang, like, that's why that person is that way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. kind of the idea of, like, hurt people hurt people. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one thing that I've been trying to speak to the youth about is, like, how do you want to be loved? You know, like this is something that you have to start thinking about now because a lot of people are loved so wrong and then they love somebody in that same wrong way and they feel like it's right. And so then like that's where the trauma and like the, the toxicities like come the in. And, yeah, absolutely. Right, absolutely. Right. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've noticed that a lot of that stuff really doesn't go away. Like you, it seems like there's some of that stuff you feel like you might grow out of. Like yeah. whatever little... I mean, just as a small example, something like a, a social anxiety or some level of depression or something like that. Yeah. It eventually, you might say that you mature out of it, but it doesn't seem like it do- like that happens. You know what I mean? So, I'm not sure, dude. I think a lot of people repress uh, repress yeah. uh, memories, like they try to forget they about them. Yeah. Like, oh, I can tough it out. I can tough it out. And a lot of people actually have the ability to do that, which is scary. I don't know if y'all. Have, been in that situation where you're around somebody who actually doesn't care, you know, where they tell themselves they don't care enough, where they genuinely don't care, and so mm-hmm. you kind of, like, become numb, or you become this dangerous person, or if you yeah, notice... It's like apathetic. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's, like, in our culture, I feel like right now, in this generation that we have, we have men who don't care, and so they do reckless behaviors, mm-hmm. and then we have women who don't care who do reckless behaviors as well, and so it's kind of this idea of just analyzing and seeing that Everybody really has, like, ways of It's okay to care. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, that's advice I got, like, not too long ago. Like, it's okay to care about stuff. Like, brushing it off only makes you just, like, you know, bottle it up. You know, kind of just, like, put it away. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, that's what therapy's for. I feel like people are too prideful to go to therapy. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think therapy is important, but I mm-hmm. think finding the right therapist yep, is important obviously, because yeah, they can ruin you your entire can... experience yep, as well. for real. Um, they can be just as toxic, to mm-hmm. be completely honest. And so it's yeah, one of those things of finding finding what works for you, I think, is like the biggest niche because it's like, what does that even mean? You know, and it, that person should like would have a, a better definition of what that means than, what, mm-hmm. you know, our definition of what that means. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. Definitely. What do you What do you think about like alternative forms of therapy, different types of forms of therapy? I mean, or just ways to get works, therapy works, other than the other than the, the traditional, traditional method. You know. You know? talking about just like word to mouth. I think that there's other there's other types of therapy. Like there's there's therapy. You know where you go in, you you know uncover emotions you cut uncover feelings there's you know aversive therapy there's you know therapy in which you talk to somebody and they don't speak back to you there's all different types of therapy but i think that um something that's even bigger than therapy is like you need a relational bond with people around you like you need a social 
stratosphere of people who support you, you know, mm-hmm, even yeah. if it's a small one, like, because, like, you can go to therapy, like, you can take the pills, but, like, if you don't have anybody to, like, let, like, not necessarily just hold you accountable, but, like, love you when you aren't necessarily being yourself or when you don't feel like yourself or when you don't feel like, you know, not necessarily they don't love you when you don't love you. Yeah, yeah real, absolutely. Yeah. Because I think that that was one thing that I always try to do is like show support on social media and show people the good on social media because it's like I've went through so much and like to finally be at a place in my life where I can say like nothing bad is going to happen. Like if I think about it being bad, then it's going to be bad. Like, but like so much good has happened that it's like it can't be like it can't get any worse than this, you know. It's, so it's kind of this idea of like pushing forward because so many people like, push me forward, like, somebody told me, like, my mentors, uh, Matt and, um, Steve Winfrey, like, they told me to do the TED Talk, like, they told me mm-hmm. to audition, like, they told me, like, you should try it out, and I was like, nah, like, in my mind, I'm like, it's just a waste of time, like, why am I finna audition for something, like, this big, like, and kind of, like, having this fixed mindset versus yeah, growth mindset, yourself, yeah, yeah. Right, so, okay, yeah. kind of just expanding on that, and, like, all of these leadership programs that I went through, like, they kind of expanded on that, like, that fixed mindset, growth mindset, and, like, that's what I talk to a lot of people about, because I had this stuck mindset, like, before sophomore year of high school, I never thought about going to college, like, never, mm. never, ever, it was never an idea in my brain, like, it was never something I took seriously, and then just, like, things start to evolve and things start to change. And you really start to grow and, like, develop substance and, like, core beliefs and, like, values outside of your parents' values. And, right. like, you know, respect for people outside of the people who respect you and just all of these different things. Kind of just, like, pushing forward through these mentors and, like, teachers and professors who, like, the ones who always was the most genuine was the ones who kept it real. You know, they kept yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. They kept it a buck. They was like, I'm human. You know, I'm not that good today. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not having a great day. I don't yeah. want to really talk. To, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. I always appreciated those people more. And those was the people who kind of pushed me forward in a way where I'm like, you need those people around you in order for things like therapy to work. You need those people mm-hmm. around you in order for, you know, medicine to work. If, you know, if it's natural medicine or if it's, you know, something over the counter or whatever yeah, it right, is right. like everybody's you know struggle is different but um, yeah I, I mean people kind of jump to that solution a lot without kind of considering alternatives like yeah. like uh you know opioids or whatever it might be yeah. uh ssris stuff like that yeah that like and that's like affecting a lot of people today um so do you on the topic of mentors do you find yourself gravitating towards certain people or do you think that like there's been similarities in the mentors in your life in your lives rather I didn't like most of my mentors. That's a common rhythm. Like, it was uh, somebody okay. who I didn't necessarily, like, get along with at first. Because mm. I didn't understand them. What and I didn't understand. You, absolutely. I thought they were, yeah. Like, I didn't understand being challenged for a while either. It always uh, okay. felt like criticism. It always felt like right. something to take personal. Like, right. dang, like, this is something against me. Like, you're attacking me. But it was, once I got over that and kind of got, like, this attitude of, like, this person is trying to make me better. I seen that I needed coaches way more than I needed cheerleaders. And so a mentor is somebody right. who's a coach. Like, they're going to establish some type of guidelines and say, like, hey, if you do this move, this door is going to open up. If you do this move, that door is going to open up. Mm-hmm. And really be able to not necessarily tell the future, but, like, have their experience tell you what's going to happen. And so when yeah. you have people who are, like, fake mentors, they're, like, just cheerleaders. Like, it's always telling you, like, oh, yeah, you can do that. Like, oh, yeah, go for that. Like, in a way that's kind of, like, you ever have somebody, like, you tell somebody that you're about to go on a race or something like that, or you're about to go to a basketball game, and they're like, oh, yeah, y'all got this. Like, you going to win. But, like, they don't know any of the parameters for, like, the entire thing. Yeah, like, they don't right. know that the other team has healthier players mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. this or that. It, like, none of that matters. And so, like, I think that once I established this idea of, like, seeing people having that perseverance, that resilience, that, like, you know, that I'm forward, like, I have friends who I consider mentors in certain ways because they've pushed themselves out of mucks and, like, started to, like, get their swagger back and, like, get their confidence back, like, my boy over there. And, like, just other people who have just, like, kind of, like, even when I seen you last time I talked to you, like, mm-hmm. it was, like, you was, like, yeah, I'm coming, you know, I'm getting out of the glumps, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And it feels it feels good, you know what I'm yeah. saying? I don't know if y'all ever seen... Uh, what is that? Stranger Things? You ever seen Stranger Things? I've not seen like the first season. Wow, y'all ain't seen Stranger The, the new, the new stuff, huh? The right, new so season. Anyways, it's like this thing that crawls in and out of people, you know. And I think that that's how certain waves of, um, 
mental illnesses and things like that go. Like it, it comes into people for a while and it stays for a while and it sits and it plants in them and then it leaves. And so it's kind of this idea of like loving yourself, finding yourself and like yeah. understanding like we are all toxic. Like we all like yeah. make mistakes. We all do things that translate to other people as way bigger things than we thought they were. And just kind of like having mentors tell you that. And if you don't have that, like not necessarily seeking it from the wrong people. I think that that's one of the hardest things is we latch on to people who seem like they would be great mentors and then like mm-hmm. they're really the ones pushing you in the wrong directions mm-hmm. and they're really yeah. the ones kind of like envying you and you know not necessarily being happy for you but kind of like yeah so Man, yeah I mean the the best coaches I've had have always been people who could tell you when you're off your shit or when you were doing terribly yeah and they yell at you and do all that shit what do you think about the concept of like like a yin yang where it's not there's the good, not entirely evil. Exactly. So there's like the there's the order, but there's always the a little bit of chaos within the order. Yeah. So like in order for things to be balanced, there has to be an element of both. So I don't know if y'all seen that Marshawn Lynch video that was just uh out public recently. On. Yeah. So basically what happened is he was running this camp, if I'm not mistaken. And it was a football camp. And at this football camp, um, he was cursing at these kids. Now don't get me wrong, like if your kids don't want to be cursed at, I understand that. Yeah. But, like, in my mind, I feel like, and this might sound wild, but I might let my kids curse at a young age because it's bigger things to worry about, like, For in me, my mind. Yeah. But that's just me. And I understand, like, I'm not going to tell my kids, like, go over your auntie house and curse her out. Right. But I'm, I'm going to be in a, a much bigger place in my mind where I'm like, it's much bigger things to gravitate towards. Like, I remember going over people's houses and seeing what was important to them then and then seeing that backfire later on. Like, all of that right. suffocating people in certain ways then, like, kind of did that. And so, um... It, it, I mean, it's much easier to address, like, cussing at someone rather than, like, some other bigger picture thing. Yeah, and so, basically, yeah. Marshawn Lynch was telling him, like, uh, get the F out of my drill. Like, if you don't want to work, if you don't want to do this, like, get the F out of my drill. Like, yeah. go to another drill. And he's talking to a kid like that, you know. So, I understand, like, the mom was kind of yeah, mad. And so, Marshawn Lynch stopped what he was doing, like... Uh, where he had like 200 kids around him and like he ran up there like because they was leaving and he was like what's going on like I want to talk to y'all like and like he basically like resolved the situation in a calm in a manner that was genuine and authentic to him but that was also like respectable you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying because he could have did so many different things where he could have just been like you know fuck her like she already paid you know her fee like her son not you know, doing shit anyway. I'm mm-hmm. in the NFL, like da 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 da. Yeah, like, it doesn't matter. But rather man. than that, no, you gotta like swallow your ego and you gotta be like, hey, like, although this is something that I'm very passionate about and this is the way that I do things, I want to communicate with you. You know, and like, um, I think me and my lady, me and my girlfriend, we 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 decide it's kind of like this idea of like sharing values. Like, what is your core value? Mm-hmm. What is my core value? Mm-hmm. And kind of sharing it in a way, like finding a compromise between the two because if you don't share values with somebody a lot of times they would never feel heard Mm, right i feel that yeah for real so do you think there is like in the world do you think there is like those levels of like chaos order where you need to find that compromise between them absolutely i think it's interesting that our religions are so calm right now like all these Mm -hmm. major religions like if you really think about it like they're coinciding and like allowing other people to just be like I think that that's so weird but like so interesting like that's where I find order and chaos because there's so much order and chaos in that like there's so much that we don't see where there's like chaos and it's like not necessarily like what we would deem as good but then there's so much that we do see that it's just like interestingly like Mm. cool man yeah so talk about like your experience public speaking I want to hear about like your sports and like what you've been doing involving that so How did, like, do you think football or whatever sports that you played shaped you, shaped where you are today? Absolutely. Um, yeah, me too, bro. Wrestling was one thing that really shaped who I was as a person and just, like, my grind and, like, understanding that, like, everything you want, you have to work for. And, like, if you don't work for it, somebody else is working for it. And it's going to feel bad and it's going to suck to lose. Mm-hmm. And just kind of, like, I had teammates who were super cool, but everybody was super young, too. So, like, it was kind of, like... It was always just pressure to kind of like live up to like being the oldest, like, and I just kind of oh, learned, shit, yeah. like, I learned how to like be, like, somebody who I didn't even know I could be just by like being put in that position and kind of just right. like humbling myself to be like, 
I don't have to be an asshole to these people. Like, I can be cool to these people right. and it'd be a better experience than just kind of being, like, in my own zone, like, with an attitude. Because the year before that, I had, like, an attitude problem. Like, I was just not that happy. But mm. I just kind of remember, like, doing all of that. And then football, I was, like, very humble by football because I was always, like, I had started football late, so I wasn't that good at first. And then I started getting better and slowly but surely... Like, the playbook at Washburn was way bit different than the playbook mm-hmm. at Henry because I didn't start at Washburn. Okay, yeah. And so um, just kind of, like, analyzing and seeing, like, whatever you want out of life, like, you have to work for. And so kind of just preparing myself in that same manner. Well, like, every school that I have went to, like, was always good at a sport, and I feel like I was a part of that energy, that spirit mm-hmm. of, like, mm-hmm. I was always kind of like that, like, speaking person, like that person talking, like, chanting making chants or whatever mm-hmm. or just like saying yeah. a speech at the end or whatever it was just because it's just like you gotta have a somewhat of a competitive nature if you want to be very successful i feel oh, like oh for sure yeah definitely and so um yeah that's what i think football had i mean sports had a, yeah well what do you think man i mean where do you think football is about to end up because you have and we've talked about this a few times on the show we're trying yeah. to get other people's perspective yeah. because I'm kind of torn on it myself, like, because obviously kids are getting CTE, getting head injuries, and, like, issues are happening because of it, but at the same time, I wouldn't be the person I was if I didn't play football, so I'm kind of conflicted on it. I don't know how you feel about it. Uh, I'm at the point in my life where I'm like, football is a very violent sport, which which is something that is very hard for people to admit. Um, I realize it's hard for people to admit because once you admit things of that sort, then it kind of makes it, like... Well, I didn't become violent from that sport, but a lot of people did become mm. violent, very impulsive in this idea of like, I can hit you to make you stop talking. Mm-hmm. Like I can do something to you. You know what I'm saying? And that form, yeah. that's why I think it's kind of like, kind of scary. Yeah. But on another token, it's like, you know, people were sitting around in restaurants while people were smoking cigarettes for 30, 40, 50 years. Right. Like it was very much unhealthy for you. So does that mean that things got to change? Yeah, that means that things had to change. But at the same time, people still have to deal with the repercussions of things when they weren't as safe. Um, I think mm-hmm. that it's a very vulnerable time for football when, you know, they're talking about you can't hit people as hard and stuff like that. Like, they're taking the game away from the game. And yeah. So, for me, I'm just like, if if you playing that sport, you got to know what you're signing up for. And yeah. obviously, you're not signing up to die or to be suicidal or nothing like that. But, like... That's a possibility. That's I mean, that happens to people. And yeah. yeah, and that's a risk that you got to take. And there's a lot of people like, so There who, should be transparency. Yeah, and yeah. there's a lot of people who were cuddled and they were babied in a way where it was like, my mom and dad never let me play football because they didn't want this to happen to me. But then they became this or they became right. that. So yeah. it wasn't as necessarily beneficial for them to avoid that as they thought. But at the same time, um, I don't watch the NFL. Like, I, I refuse to watch the NFL. I haven't mm-hmm. watched it in about three years. I think it is now. Um, but is I it, do like college sports. Why do you not watch the NFL? Um, <laughs> simply because it's just like the NFL wouldn't be anything without black people in it. Like I think that that's a genuine statement to have without it being like that's very like offensive to say, you know? Yeah. Because I think it's like eighty percent of the NFL is black people and so it's just kind of this idea of like if you're not gonna stand up for it yeah if you can blackball a person and understand that you can't denounce white supremacy as a unit as a company as a organization then there's a problem you know that festers within that and so Mm -hmm. i heard this thing by d dang i think it's dl Hewley. i don't know his name but he's super cool he's a comedian he got the afro whatever he was talking about how like a, a plane how, like, if it's manufactured and it has, like, a little piece of sand in there, that sand won't mess it up, you know, for the time being. But eventually in the future, it's always going to mess it up because the system was built, like, with, like, messes. With an extra piece within it. And so, yeah, Yeah. even the merge from, like, the NFL to, like, the Negro League, like, the Negro League was always, like, cold at football. So, like, when they merged, it kind of, like, evened out the competition and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, I, I don't know. I just personally think that football makes people, like, really cool like it can be a very community like aspect but if you're not good at football it can be a very dangerous and like bullying mm-hmm. and like very toxic and um, yeah kind of one of those situations yeah do you think that if you had 
if you were to have kids and those kids yeah, they want play football, they, they play football. If they want to, if they want to play football, yeah. they can. If they wrestling, they whatever my kids want to do, they can do that. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. Yeah, because you're right. I mean, I feel like some adults keep their kids from it, and then it's like they act out in a different way or something, or get into yeah. something that they wouldn't get into if they played football. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I. That's a good point. All those points you made. I don't know. Do you th- so? Do you find that kind of stuff in other aspects, like how you say profiting off of black people? Yeah. Do you, do you see that in other aspects of the world? What you mean? Every <laughs> every aspect of the world. Like I don't think. Okay, let's let's get one culture. thing clear. So most of the continent of Africa does not. Um, see themselves as black people and so it's not a diss or it's not like a knock it's just like they are in which the heritage in which they are so I understand that but they're not coming from the same sense of when black people here say that they're not black people which they're obviously black people they're not coming from the same so when I say black people I mean black people from everywhere that are people of you know darker descent so um, profiting off of black people in that sense on a global scale, um, it's happening everywhere. Like Sierra Leone, Benin, um, you want to talk about like just like even American, you know, like places in America, the Northern America, where you know even in the Reconstruction period, Black people ran out of their homes, like in so many different cities. You know, they ran out of their home, and then white people could legally take their homes, legally take their homes. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about like police sanctioned killings. We're talking about. You know, so many different things in which um, once you begin to, like, even read into this stuff, you kind of get, like, you get scared to think, like, dang, like, this is really happening, and Mm -hmm. it's been happening, and it's something that, like, you as a single individual person know that you can't do anything about. Yeah, I want to tie it. You go. I was gonna say like Shorty from When They See Us, like she wrote all those books, like and everybody was kind of like, oh my gosh, like she solved this big ass case, but it's like you're profiting off the five mm-hmm. lives of these individuals mm-hmm. who right. are falsely incarcerated off these, like I don't know. There's more to that story too, though. Yeah. Yeah. But what I wanted to get out was tying it actually into the incarceration of African Americans, the disproportionate incarceration of African American males in the U.S. for a number of reasons. Um combination of systemic racism and discrimination, uh, private prisons, all that kind of stuff. And that ties into the exploitation because it's turning into like cheap, free, cheap to free labor because mm-hmm. like they're in prison. They get paid. So it's like a dollar something like a day yeah. or something like that. But like... It's like less than that. Yeah. They... Like... Because you were saying in the TED Talk like we're automatically looked at like suspicious like a person of, of yeah. ill intent. Yeah. And... That plays into how, that plays into how we're gonna be treated in different areas, and that can that can lead us down that slope. Cause like, I mean, and this is like a real scenario that does happen to people. It's like, okay, well, I'm trying to be good, I'm trying to be good, but they're always looking at me like I'm a bad person. So why not just be the fucking bad person at this point? Mm. You know, like why not? Because if it's not gonna change, so why not just yeah. you know whatever? Absolutely. And that's gonna because they're breaking the people, and that's gonna lead them into all these poor situations. That's gonna lead them to prison and then you got people um like i don't want to talk about politics but kamala harris who's running for president right now she indian lady yeah from california yeah she like with she like kept people in prisons longer than they their sentencing so that she was on twitter yeah that's what i don't get dude yeah it's like because she's out here trying to uh, support you know liberal democratic values and then then she she does that kind of she's doing that all like the weed and like even like with like weed and stuff, like that was done as a political move. Like the war on drugs was to incarcerate African Americans and then like hippies, anti-war people back when like Reagan was president. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think that a lot of that. That's why I respect Fred for that mentor program with like people out of prison. Like, because if you go to prison, you're not a person in people's eyes. You're less than a person. It could be for like, oh, okay, yeah, I sold drugs and got caught. Like, okay, you're a horrible person. You're a murderer. You don't serve to be. Blah 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 blah. blah. Yeah. I think one thing that's even crazier about that is like. A lot of people like have this idea like nothing like everything isn't about race but everything really is about race and it even builds beyond race like if you even look on the expansion of like white felons versus black felons white felons have like higher 
job rankings like they have like higher abilities to like do certain things and it's not even in a sense of like this isn't about race this is about people like having networkings and things of that sort and so it's kind of like this yeah generational wealth you know and this idea of kind of like even in a struggle people still have ways to like get themselves out of it and so a lot of times i feel like a lot of people of color are victims and they act like they're victims in a way where they kind of can't get themselves out of situations in which I think that they can. And so mm-hmm. it's not for me to, you know, sit on a platform and talk down on my own mm-hmm. people. And so, but one thing that I think is very huge is that we as a people can't build, yeah, we can't, we can't build from nothing because We've had people with strong attempts, you know what I'm saying? Marcus Garvey didn't do what he did mm-hmm. for no reason. There's so many other people beyond him who didn't do what they did and sacrificed like buildings. Like we have we talking about like black inventors, black entrepreneurs. They used they used to use black people as like leather mm-hmm. back in the day. You mm-hmm. know, we used to be used as bait. And so this idea of like being pro black and being like color conscious and being aware of who you are and loving yourself is like such a newly manifested thing that now it's become like America is so racist that like it's kind of like when you talk about racism you talking about America like mm-hmm. people are like why are you, why are you here then why are you complaining if you're here? like it's like mm-hmm. are you what you've never been in a restaurant and you get shir- served shitty and you and you're complaining but you still tip the person like it, you it's not the same thing you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. like it's just mm-hmm. one of those things where it's weird where it's like you're attacking people. Like even if you're to talk about like a group of people, you're attacking the the person who's listening to this conversation or whatever when it's not even an individual thing. It's just like these are the facts. This is the truth. Yeah. This is a history that's been hidden from you. You know, when I talk to people a lot of times they don't even know who the Harlem Hellfighters are. Mm-hmm. Like they couldn't tell you who a lot of these different various black people are because it has never been deemed as important. Like, we have so many freaking slavery movies, but we have not a single movie on Madam C.J. Walker, one of the richest women ever in America. Mm-hmm. You know, black history is American history. And so That's it's true. like this idea that you would never walk up to a white person and say, hey, how does it feel to be a European-American? Like, they're like, what the fuck is a European-American? It's like mm-hmm. the same thing as being an African-American. Yep. It's like, no, it's not. Like, because being American means being white, and it's like not even synonymous but it, it becomes the same thing and so it's just it's just so many different fads of things to, to talk about when it comes to race yeah. relations so so you said that um the first thing is acknowledging the history in terms of like getting over getting yeah past. i had, a, I had a, a radio interview talking about like reparations and what does that even look like and if it's even serious mm-hmm. and i was mm-hmm. like yeah i think it goes beyond money like a lot of it isn't even about money like we have zero historical um, markers that bring up black violence from any point in time. Yep. And we're talking about people who in Minnesota, in Duluth, Minnesota, were lynched in the 1900s. You know what I'm saying? And towns of black people, Rondo Days. Like, even we just, we just had Rondo Days, like, what was that? Last week, two weeks ago, they put an entire, the 94 highway in which we drive on every day, they split an entire black neighborhood up because they wanted it to go there. And it's like the same thing with 35W. Like, it's, it, and it's in these neighborhoods in which it's like it's just inconveniently unable to prove things and it's kind of like it's kind of like when somebody is pinching you or somebody's like in your face with their hand and you can't really show nobody that like they is hurting you or that they like bother you it's like I'm not touching you right. but you is touching yeah. them you know and so kind of like, like go ahead the bidet Makasta yeah and Calhoun, but the businesses refuse to change it because they're established business with yeah. businesses with the name Calhoun. Oh like, right! If you look at the history of what his like family did, did and what yeah. he did as an individual, it's yeah, like, it's like it don't matter. Get over it. That's basically what I hear a lot of times about a lot of things. It's like get over it. It doesn't get matter. Over it. Get over it. And it's it like, happened so long ago. Get over it's it. It's like who in a rush but you? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like nobody is in a rush to fake like history is fixed or that any of those things but at the end of it all I like to tell people you know it's one thing to be in a struggle and to realize like yeah we got a lot of stuff to fight for but we also have a lot of privilege and we also have a lot of things in which we have to be happy about and celebrate you know celebrate life celebrate this idea that like you can breathe and live today like you are literally a spiritual being having a human experience and everybody was in his room like 
literally has a heartbeat right now that is ticking and talking. They have skin in which sucks up oil and also water and it prunes up. And so when you get in the water, you have a very good grip. And we just have all these mm. different things in which we don't even know, like this flight or flight syndrome in our body and the ability to breathe. Like we don't have to remind ourselves to breathe and just like we don't have to remind ourselves to have happy thoughts. We're not in a, a country or a city where we are being dictated or being forced to do this or that or to read this or that or to never do this or that and so it's kind of like although we might be being like controlled through social media we might be being controlled through all of these different things like we have the power to unplug the matrix we have the power to you know dress how we want to dress and eat what we want to eat and hang out with who we want to hang out with and love who we want to love like that is something that a lot of people don't have and so that's something i try not to take for granted like every yeah. single day because I didn't been in a situation where I didn't almost lost my life, and I didn't been in that situation and felt like, wow, like I would have died this, I would have mm-hmm. died that, but right. I wouldn't have died like how I want, you know? Yeah, right, right. right. So just kind of appreciating where I am and just appreciating where we are as people, because, I mean, we all got a story. Like literally, everybody got a story. For real. So, how do you recommend like as so if there's an individual who maybe isn't thinking about these things that you're mentioning, how yeah. do you recommend that someone starts maybe educating themselves or sort of trying to put themselves in that world, in that perspective? I would say five different ways to identify just even like a purpose-driven life or just like I want to kind of be more important to myself, any of that. Like just this idea that like I might not want to take life serious right now, but if I do in the near future, what do I do? I would say five simple things. One is like, have the ability to reflect on yourself and who you are, you know, have the ability to say, this is how this happened, not like how I seen it happen, but this is how that happened. And so like when you can reflect, you can see the good and bad in yourself and you can, you know, ask yourself like, where do I want to grow? Where do I want to go? Um, number two is to see what your love language is, to see how you want to be loved, how you want to be spoken to, how you want to be perceived, how you want to be um, giving out because it's a lot about proximity. It's a lot about, you know, how you talk to people, the crowds that you're around, how your anxiety or whatever that is works, you know, understanding that because you need to have people around you who love you for that. Because once you, if you're around people in which you always got to change for, you stop to, you stop loving yourself. And so just Mm -hmm. number three is just always finding ways to love yourself with hobbies and things that you do that makes you unique. Even if I hate when I hear people say, like, oh, like, everybody does this. But this one person, like, they really enjoy that, you know. And so people kind of take other people's joy away. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so kind of seeing, like, be conscious of the naysayers, but also don't let them dehabilitate you. Like, don't let nobody, like, don't even let your parents tell you, like, damn, you can't do something because they don't see that you have the ability to do it. I think that um, that's one thing I love about my life is so much of it was this shouldn't have been able to have been possible. Like, mm-hmm. this shouldn't have even been able to have been something. Like, even from the time I was born to the time, like, I am right now. Like, I got into college a month ago. School starts in, a, like, a month. Yeah. Like, that is so rare. Like, that doesn't just happen, you know? And I believe that it's just, like, the grace of whoever created us is, like, really looking down on me and saying, like, you working for this? Like, I'm going to continue to bless you. And I think that that's mm-hmm. one thing, too, is, like, Whatever you're working towards, even if you're working towards something really small, like, I want to wake up every day on time. Like, I want to wake up every day and eat breakfast. Or if it's like, Mm -hmm. I want to take care of my body. I want to wash up and make sure I brush my teeth two times a day. Even if it's something so small, like, continue to have those little goals and write them down and say, I completed this. Because, like, we have to look at life like a video game. Like, if Mm -hmm. you look at life like a video game, people love playing video games because it always tells you, like, you've leveled up. You've done this. You've reached this checkpoint. But in life, there is no level up. There is no checkpoint. It's like, damn, 30 days ago, I would have cursed this person out if they would have did this to me. Like, two years ago, I would have spit on this person if they would have did this to me. Like, five years ago, like, if somebody would have stuck their finger in my food, I wouldn't have been able to laugh that off. You know, and just kind of, like, learning. Like, you've evolved and kind of, like, that's why, like, you have to reflect constantly because it's, like, you have to give yourself them pats on the back. And I think the thing that I'm struggling with the most now is, like, I'm doing a lot of what I said I was going to do, and a lot of people are not there yet. But, like, mm-hmm. I've went through so many losses. Like, I've, like, it's so much that, like, I still want to keep, like, on the low key because I want to write a book about it. And yeah. then it'd be like, oh, wow. Like, 
But like, yeah. I lost my house when I had my TED Talk. Like five days before oh, I had my man. TED Talk, they kicked me out, kicked us out of our house. Like I didn't have to live with other people. I didn't have to like drive other people's cars to go get public speakers to like do a speech. Like, Damn. like so many just different like weird things where you learn and you grow. You know, you right. learn and you grow and you you turn the other page. Like I didn't almost had to drop out of school because I couldn't afford it. Then finding scholarships or working and doing all these different things. Like living far enough away from the school where I had to take three buses and get up at 7 a.m. just to get to school at 11 a.m. It's like yeah. you learn and you grow and you grind and, and 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 you hope for the best. I think that that's the biggest thing. It's like everything is going to be shitty if it's going to be shitty. Like if you, yeah. if you think about life being bad, yeah. it's going to continue to be bad. Like if you think about like the situations in which you're in, like your family environment or like whatever is toxic, if you think that that's going to stay like that, that's how it is. You know, right. and if you had the, this mindset that, like, everything is going to change and it's going to be good and it's going to be positive, that's some bullshit, too. You know, you mm. don't want to feed yourself this idea that, like, everything is just always great. Like, you want to manifest on things that you work on. And so um, I work on every day being, like, the best partner that I can to my woman. I think that people get karma from that and they don't understand, mm. like, the relational values of things. Is The bare minimum in our relationship is to not cheat like that's the bare minimum like it's bigger things than that like conversating and like communicating yeah. and like checking in on each other and not stonewalling each other when we don't feel like each other is being heard or like not right. being passive or you know working on goals continuously and so it's just kind of this idea of like if i want my kids to be great like i want to be great too like i don't want to i think we was talking about this earlier like this idea like I heard a lot of people tell me that they had parents that were like, do as I say, not as I do. Yep. And that is fucking awful. Like, that yeah. is so fucking hypocritical. Where it's like, that's the same thing with America. It's like, mm -hmm. we are the land of the free. Mm -hmm. You know, home of the brave. Like, the police are supposed to protect and serve us and create justice. And the Supreme Court is supposed to upheld justice and all of these different things, right? But then it's like, you learn all this history and it's like, we're not fucking like that. You know, and we're are continually um, pulling up shit from that was pulled underneath the rug and saying we're fucking lying. Like we're mm -hmm. not telling the truth. We're not. We're not being genuine and we're not being honest. And the same thing with like a lot of people's parents. You grow up and you see your parents and they had all these values and you're like, you did not live up to that. You know what I'm saying? Like you did not hold that threshold mm -hmm. or like even coaches. You know what I'm saying? You see coaches later on in life and be like, you you're a fucking square now. Like, yeah. you don't, you know, like just kind of like understanding like a lot of people really were just words, but the people right. who had substance, the people who you really felt, the people who you felt connection with, like those are the people really succeeding in life. Like mm -hmm. one of the hardest working people I ever met in my life was Savon Sarton. This boy is mm. enjoying his fucking life mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. Like, I don't, I see him from afar. Like, and I remember like at a young age being like, this dude is younger than me, working harder than me. Like, mm -hmm. I, I genuinely believe if you work hard at whatever it is that you're doing, even if it's making popcorn, like you make, you make the best popcorn in the world. Like whatever it is that you do, just work hard at it in a, in a way that's not like, yeah. Hey, one to the left of the sink. Sorry, <laughs> Oh, man, yeah, I feel bro. No, Context yeah. about Savan, uh, like best friend. We grew up, you know, uh, my age. So he's t t actually he's turning twenty one in like the twenty three days. Twenty one, twenty one. Yeah, but eighth grade, he was named captain of our high school wrestling team. Yeah, like that's yeah. Savan. Hardworking, hardworking man. Shout out Savan. He's a mountain man, bro. Shout out yeah. to that dude. He be all over the place. It's crazy. He's a dope guy. Yeah. Well, yeah, Fred, I mean, I appreciate that, dude. So you said that you want to become a mentor that's actually has that substance behind him, right? Absolutely. So so what are the things that you're doing right now that you have maybe coming up in the future even to get you to that point? What do you what do you what do you think even like some things that you do every day yeah. to try to get to that point? Um, every day I drink a gallon of water. I think that that's number one. Oh, yeah. Um, other things that I do are like I set goals every week or mm -hmm. like a check checklist or like just different things like that every week, right? Um other things that I do, I would say like I pray a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not like the super religious type, but I do pray a lot. Like everything that I want to happen in my life I believe is happening because I've prayed for it and I've worked for it and I've grind for it. Um but I've also like 
I'm very consistent. So I wake up early every day. Um, I don't miss work. I don't. I do the little things right. Like it, I'm not even like trying to toot my own horn, yeah. but I feel like I, I really do the little things right, and I make sure that um, I'm like continuously working on myself every day. Right. I'm reflecting every day. Um, so I've been trying to work on like eating better um, and just speaking out things that are just not just positive, but actually have value, um, and not talking just to be heard. Mm-hmm. Last year I did this thing where the whole year I went. Um, I can only talk 33% of a conversation with somebody. Huh. And so I was working on listening last year. And this year I'm working on like not repeating myself. Mm-hmm. Because if somebody hears you, they hear you. And we have this idea that kind of like we're in such a like habit-driven world that like I'll say like, Hamza, what are you doing over there? And you're like, huh? But you knew exactly what I just said. Mm-hmm. But like we mm-hmm. continue to repeat ourselves. And so it's like this lack of attention, lack of focus, and just kind of like gaining so much focus. Like I, I read... At least every day, like at least every day, I'm learning about black people and the history of black people and just like the reconstruction period and um, so many things that are just so hidden. When I say hidden, I mean like hidden in plain sight and we're just okay with it because we don't know about it or um, it just seems so far fetched to us, you know, to think about Madam C.J. Walker. She was a billionaire black woman, um, one of the first um, and richest people in our in our in our entire existence you know mm. came from being a slave frederick Douglass was you know came from being a slave we got so many different people who came from being slaves you know and we got people who played us all over you know and just kind of like I, I love i love learning about black people i love learning about all people like i love i love all people genuinely and even in my ted talk it's something that i really wish i didn't necessarily push the most because i think i was a lot more religious back then was kind of like this idea that like love encompasses everything and I don't think that that's necessarily true anymore. I think that accountability and investment encompasses everything. Because if you hold people accountable and, and you invest into people, you can still love them. You know what I'm saying? And so mm. if you if you don't hold people accountable and you don't invest into them, I don't think you can really love somebody. I think you can just kind of like feel love like you them. love somebody. Mm. So, Interesting. Yeah. Man, well... That's dope. I, I, don't know. I, can, I appreciate that a lot, bro. For real. That's some cool stuff. But yeah, I got a uh, a book that yeah. should be coming out pretty soon here within like the next two years. Me and my dad have been working on for a while. Oh. Um, I got some clothes that I want to drop pretty soon here because I like, like, yeah, I always been myself with the clothes. But it's it's a lot of expression. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of different stuff that I want to drop. A couple collabs I got on the way with a lot of different people, a lot of uh, strong artists, local artists. Um, I got a couple podcasts like on the way, but they with different various people that haven't came out yet. And so I'm just waiting for a couple of those. But like mm-hmm. I just been working on the website, working on. I got business cards. If y'all want a business I'll card, take a business, take card. A business yeah. card, dude, for sure. Pretty dope, actually. <laughs> I think I have like. In my opinion, the best business cards. Cool, appreciate you. you. Feel me, and that's mm-hmm. just like the two heads stands for like Fred's dissonance because it's like cognitive dissonance. Like mm-hmm. our mm. attitudes and our behaviors never align. Mm-hmm. Like we say we hate world hunger, but like none of us donate. Like you know yeah, what I'm saying? Like yeah, for sure, different things like that. Yeah, man. Hey, man. Well, I appreciate it, Fred. Thanks so much for coming on, dude. Heck yeah. Much appreciated. Is there uh, is, anything you want to plug? Yeah, any, any, anywhere plug? people can reach you. Like anything uh, yeah, you want so to let the people Frederick know? Yeah, so I'm Frederick Edwards Jr. on Instagram. I'm official with it now with my full name. You can find me on Facebook, Frederick Edwards uh, Dash Public Speaker. It's my Facebook. And then you can email me at fredmotivates at gmail.com. Uh, I got new videos coming out pretty soon here. Uh, I will be starting graduate school August 26th. And so, are, you, are you doing that at NDSU as well? Yeah, yeah. Or, so mm-hmm. I'll be in the grad program there and just trying to get that underway. Um, trying to graduate as soon as I can. Uh, since I got my tuition paid for, uh, I want to make sure I just go as hard as I can mm-hmm. in school because mm-hmm. I realize a lot of people don't have the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Great, man. Well, man, we appreciate you, Fred, and we appreciate everyone tuning in to the 7th Street Podcast. 7th Street? We appreciate it, man. Uh, So please, we're on iTunes now. Please follow us and leave a review on that if you enjoy the show. Uh, We're on SoundCloud, Spotify. You can follow us on our Instagram, at 7th Street Podcast. Subscribe. Subscribe to us, man. And uh, Ham's a great social media manager. He's putting us on. I can get better, yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> but uh, he does the work, bro. So, all right, man. Thanks so much for everyone tuning in, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Houston, we have a problem.